Well, welcome uh, to Life Church. Like to definitely welcome those who are visiting with us, and uh, thank you so much. We do have an information booth out there, and you can fill out uh, one of our cards and make sure that we have a record of you visiting with us. So thank you uh, so much for being here. And for those of you who are part of the Life Church family, welcome. Uh, it is uh, it is strange times, but that is okay as we uh, continue to worship the Lord and continue to go for Him. And uh, the important thing is is that our hearts are in the right place. And that the um, that we recognize that in the season that God is that He's doing something new, that what He is I believe what He's doing is calling us uh, to to not do the same things we've always done the same way, right? That God has called us to begin uh, looking at new ways uh, to proclaim the gospel, new ways for us uh, to reach those folks who otherwise uh, have not been reached yet. And so, thank you for your continued uh, continued prayers uh, with all of that. Um, Let's see, we're going to start a new series today uh, called Bound to be Free, and uh, we're going to be doing a deep dive into the book of Galatians, and uh, so here's what I, my, my challenge to you on a weekly basis here, and we're going to be, we're going to camp out here in the book of Galatians for a little while. Um, this is, uh, this is new ground for me, and uh, perhaps new ground for each one of you, is we're going to go for a season uh, that might last for a while, and we're going to discover all sorts of things about the book of Galatians. I believe it's a timely message uh, for, uh, for us. Um, certainly during this time, I believe God's going to help us uh, kind of grasp the importance of, uh, of so much in his word. Uh, and this is going to be the verse that we're going to return to a bunch of times in this series and bound to be free. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And I believe that this verse, as we walk through this over the coming weeks, uh, that we're going to find a lot in, these, uh, in what God is speaking to us uh, that are going to challenge us, I believe. Uh, but uh, beyond just challenging us uh, spiritually, it's going to challenge us to, uh, to respond to this challenge and to step up in, in what we believe, how we believe that, and then what, it's, uh, what it results in in our life. And so this scripture verse is the core of Galatians. It's a letter written by Paul to a church that was in the thick of cultural and societal upheaval. And in this simple verse, we see this conflict laid out very, very, uh, very clearly for us. It's freedom versus bondage. Freedom versus bondage. How do we want to live our lives? Do we want to live our lives free, or do we want to live our lives bound? And so Paul proclaims this freedom is that freedom is the desired outcome of our lives, and I would echo that and uh, uh, proclaim that loudly, that God wants us to live in freedom, right? God wants us to live a life that is free. And at the center of all of this is uh, Jesus himself. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing this uh, deep dive into uh, to this letter that has great affinity to our cultural reality and has some principles to, uh, to transform us. Um, I have uh, told you over the last uh, nearly two years that, uh, that Shelly and I have been here uh, that the Word of God has to be central to what we do, doesn't it? That we have to have a love for the Word of God. And so as I was praying through, you know, Lord, what direction do you want us to go, uh, you know, as we move into the fall season uh, here very soon? It doesn't feel like fall outside yet. It's going to be like 99 tomorrow. I cannot wait for the cool breeze to just kind of blow around and make us feel good. Can't wait for that. Um, but, uh, but in the season, if it has to be, if the word of God has to be central uh, to what life church is, um, I felt God kind of challenge my own heart, say, okay, then dig a little bit. 
dig deep into to what I am speaking in this generation, to what I'm speaking through my word. And Galatians was just really laid heavily on my heart. And so this intentionality is in this deep dive uh, over these six chapters of a letter that was written just under 2,000 years ago that is, it has incredible value for us. And so we will, at the end of this, have a greater understanding of how, uh, how to embrace this process of study. And what I'm hoping at the end of this time is you're going to recognize that uh, this is something that every one of you are able to do with every single book that has been written in the Bible, that you are able to do a deep dive. There's not going to be any sense here that you go, oh, wow, only an expert, somebody who's, you know, I've, I've graduated from Bible college, so only I can, that's not the point, right? The point is, is that the Word of God is accessible to all of us and that the Word of God is powerful, uh, more powerful than that double-edged sword dividing uh, joint and marrow goes into soul and spirit and, and gets in and finds our motivations. That's what we are able to accomplish no matter where, uh, no, no matter where we are, but our belief is that God has his Word for us. So my challenge is to read and reread the letter uh, to the Galatians. And uh, every single week, it might take you about you know, half an hour to read through the book of Galatians, these, these six chapters, uh, to read it. But every single week, read and reread the book of Galatians over the next number of weeks that we are together. Because as you read it, you're going to be able to pick out things for your own life. Every time I read the word, uh, it, it changes uh, because there's new application that I find, right? Because it's living, it's not dead, it's living. And so God is always working through his spirit to apply new ways for the word of God to our life. So, uh, so that's the, uh, the challenge for you to do this. So in order for us to most effectively understand the book of Galatians, we have to understand who wrote the book of Galatians. Because sometimes uh, we can be guilty, uh, um, uh, guilty as pastors to try to pick out just the highlights because those are the easy things uh, to speak about. Uh, you, can, you, know, you can pick out like a highlight and a big verse that everybody knows and go, yes, this is what we're going to dig into and, it, and it's fantastic. It's, you know, it's got all those bells and whistles to it. Uh, but there are times when the slow, methodical way to, un, to kind of unpack the word of God, we can um, find out that there are much richer, richer, much richer applications than some of those surface things that are very, very easy to pick out. And uh, so this dig, uh, dig deep is uh, going a little bit slower uh, for us, but we can be transformed by the word. And so this is where Paul comes in. Who is this guy named Paul? What, what does he have to do with writing the book of Galatians? Why did he write the book of Galatians? What application does Paul's life have to our life today? And why does it really matter? And so Galatians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14, and we're going to jump around a little bit here at the very beginning, the first couple of weeks, uh, to kind of set our foundation, and then we're going to go through uh, methodically through the book of Galatians. But Galatians chapter 1, verse 13 says this, you have heard no doubt of my earlier life in Judaism. This is Paul speaking. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advance in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Uh, Paul could be considered not just a radical, but a fan fanatical. Is that even a word? <laughs> right? He was somebody uh, deeply committed to the rules. 
He was somebody who said, if this was the rule, I'm going to follow it and some. If this is the rule, I'm, do you know people like that? You know, people are just like, right? They, they follow the rules, and then those rules, they, they, they take that next level and go, well, if the rule means this, I'm going to take it to the next level to mean something even more. And this would be Paul. If there was a limit, he was right on the edge. If you could describe righteousness, he would define the living of that righteousness. If it was righteous to surf the internet, <laughs> he would be the one surfing the internet and then some. Right? If it was righteous for a particular way to behave, he would do that and then some. On the outside, and uh, real quick, uh, Saul is the guy we're going to talk about, but his name is Paul. So Saul was the Jewish, it was his Jewish name. Paul is his Greek name, okay? And so we find, so when I'm talking Saul, I might go back and forth. Saul, Paul, they're the same person uh, in, this, uh, in this case. Um, on the outside, Saul was the guy that you would want representing you in an intellectual argument. So, I mean, that, that's who you wanted to be with you. If you're trying to prove your point, you wanted Saul with you. And uh, he was also the one that you would want, uh, want to lead in being an example of what a fully committed devotee, devotee was to a particular set of beliefs. He was the guy that you wanted to have with you representing that. But we need to jump back to Acts chapter 7, 8, and 9 to find out a little bit more about what Paul is talking about when he describes himself in this way. I was violently persecuting the church of God. So Acts 7, 8, and 9 is important for us. So in Acts chapter 7, we see another kind of follower. In Acts chapter 7, we see another kind of righteousness being lived out. In Acts chapter 7, we see this guy by the name of Stephen. Stephen was an early follower of Jesus Christ. He was somebody who had devoted his life and uh, was chosen from among many uh, to, be, uh, to be a servant uh, doing special things within, uh, within the early church. Uh, considered one of those you know, great examples in the early church of this is how you are supposed to act. This is how you are supposed to believe. If you wanted in the church world to follow after somebody and you wanted somebody on your side, it would be Stephen. Just like Paul was for Judaism, Stephen would be the one that you wanted on your side in the early church. He was caught up, not, not trying to be caught up, but he was caught up in the political intrigue of the Roman Empire, the Pharisees and religious power of whom Saul, or Paul, was one of them. His life is brought to an end at the end of, uh, of Acts chapter 7 through a process known as stoning. Uh, stoning is a brutal death where basically everybody around would grab a stone as, you know, as large as they could uh, heft at someone and then throw that stone at that person and keep throwing stones at a person until they died. It's a brutal death. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of their killing him. People are gathered around and Saul is watching this. All of this unfold. He's listening to what Stephen is saying. He's listening to uh, the arguments back and forth as to what should be done with this disciple of the way, this, this one who is following after Jesus. What should be done with them? Eventually, they pick up the stones, begin stoning Stephen, and the Bible says that Saul approved of their killing him. Saul had sat there watching, 
self-righteously approving of the death of this, as he saw it, this combative usurper of the authority of the Pharisees. But Saul also heard this potentially uneducated leader of the early church speaking about Jesus. Now, the story of Jesus was not unknown by anyone there in Jerusalem at the time. Everybody knew what had transpired there very recently uh, in, uh, in Jerusalem. The story was known by all in the area, certainly known by Saul, but rejected. But as Stephen is there, this truly righteous leader of the early church, stoned, dying with his last breath, Acts chapter 7, verse 60, it says, Then he, Stephen, and remember Saul heard this, he, Stephen, knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. If you've read the New Testament and read the story of Jesus, you begin to recognize that this is an echo of what Jesus said on the cross. Stephen took those, that phrase that Jesus said on the cross, was probably told, I don't know if Stephen was there, but certainly it was told what Jesus said on the cross as the Gospels were beginning to be written about this time. Um, you know, it was told, so people knew what he said, and Stephen is like, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Saul heard that. It could have very well been spoken directly to Saul. This incident would have had a profound effect upon him, but not before Saul uh, would make some decisions that would lead to the violent persecution of the church. Um, it says in Acts, that Saul, in Acts chapter 8 that Saul was ravaging the church, throwing members into prison, both men and women. Saul was not a good guy. I, I don't think any of us would say, yeah, Saul was... Man, he was a good guy. I don't think anybody would say that at all. <laughs> there was eating at him something deep that he was fighting against. Have you ever known someone who is fighting so hard against the truth that their response is violence? Where the violence and words that are spoken, uh, sometimes you see it on, uh, on Facebook, uh, maybe on Instagram, <laughs> Uh, right now, I know some of the protests, burning Bibles and things like that, people running so hard away from God. Sometimes that violence is, is turned back on themselves and causing harm to themselves or to others. You know, I've sat with parents weeping over their children who are running away from God. Confused by what happened and how did this happen? And I mean, we, you know, we brought them up in church and, and we, we feel like we did the right things and all of that. And yet the children still have that choice and they run away from God and that there's something burning inside of them. I prayed with children for their parents who are abusive toward one another and maybe they are running away from God. There are those who use as, the, as a weapon the Bible to justify their actions. Saul was in this category. Right? He's taking things in the Old Testament, using that then to justify the actions that he was perpetrating against the church. He was cherry-picking his life in the pages of the Bible to justify his actions. And yet he was running at the same time. It says on the same day that Stephen died that the persecution broke out. I believe that Saul heard those words and those words were so 
convicting in his life that he started to try to fill his life with violence toward the very people who were extending grace and mercy to him. He's pushing against it. Injustice was in his heart, but the nonviolent Stephen revealing the heart of God in the midst of a violent culture. Perhaps this says something to us and our culture today. I believe God is speaking loudly to us as followers of Christ. That we are a people who take after Stephen <laughs> rather than a people who pick up arms. And I know what I'm saying right now. I've got to be, I've got to be super, because there's all caveats. There's all sorts of things. I'm not making a Second Amendment statement. I'm not saying anything about that. But what I'm saying is the way that we respond to the culture around us, we folks have to be so careful. Because there is a distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. There's a distinction between the way that we respond to the world around us that wants to infuse violence in the way that we respond. And I believe that Stephen shows us a way that we respond to a violent culture around us. So let it be a conviction moment for us to say, God, how do we respond to this world around us? Do we respond when conviction comes to us? Do we respond like a Paul or do we respond like a Stephen? So Acts chapter 9 opens up with the acknowledgement that Saul is still persecuting the church. Uh, there's an acknowledgement that he's breathing out threats and murder, and it says, it, that's what it says, that he's breathing out threats and murder. And so Saul goes to the high priest, gets permission to now extend the persecution to other cities, and he begins to make his way to a, to a town or a city called Damascus. And in Acts chapter 9, um, uh, this is where he is wanting to carry out this, this fanaticism, this zealousness uh, that he was engaged in. But Jesus had other ideas. Jesus had another plan for Saul's life. So on the way to Damascus, it says that Jesus interrupted Saul. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3, it says this. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. It says that he fell to the ground. Uh, later on in the book of Acts, when Paul's retelling uh, this story, basically he's knocked off his horse. Knocked off his donkey, doesn't say what he's riding, horse or donkey. He was knocked off of it. A little nudge from the Holy Spirit, right? He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Not why do you persecute the church, why do you persecute me? Because what is the church? Nothing less than the body of Christ in physical form here on earth, okay? Then he asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. This is the moment of Saul's transformation. Jesus stopped him in his tracks. Has God ever told you, stop? <laughs> Don't do this. For many of you, while the dramatic life of persecution is not your story, you've had similar instances when God has stopped you in your tracks. Being stopped in your tracks might be something uh, of a phone call from somebody unexpectedly, a knock at the door unexpectedly. Uh, it might be a, a text message sent to you unexpectedly from somebody you haven't seen for years, and God is telling you, stop. 
like Saul, for many of you, it was a process of that stopping that unfolded a season, perhaps weeks or months or even years. But Jesus never gave up. Never gave up on your life. Never gave up on you. He sent people into your life like Stephen was to Saul. There was something different about this one that God brought your way. The, the words they spoke, the way they responded, the grace that they extended to you, the mercy that they showed, the way that they forgave you, whatever it was, something within them, the way they lived their life, Jesus showed up and told you to stop, to turn your life towards him and to live for him. For me, it was my mom. She was somebody who God used to say, stop, as a 17, 16, well, really 14, 15, 16 years old. Honestly, folks, I was going down a pretty bad road. Even as a junior higher, you might say, what? Yes, even as alcohol, drug, I mean, it was there. It was easy to access, access and all that. And I was walking down that road. And through my mom's voice, God spoke and said, stop. Another voice was somebody by the name of Lori Halderson. Some of you have been in uh, the Valley, maybe uh, been in church world and the assemblies for a while, might know that name out of Mountain View. Uh, some, she was somebody that God used, and his voice spoke through her to say, Rich, stop. Another family that I was a part of, uh, uh, Butch and Kathy Lowe, um, and uh, they spoke into my life, and the voice of God was speaking through them and saying, Rich, stop. So how about you? Who is it that impacted your life? Was it a parent? Was it a sibling? Was it a stranger? Have you ever told them that their words made you stop? Have you ever done that before? I know for like my mom and for, uh, for Butch and Kathy Lowe and for Lori Halderson, there are times send a text message say, hey guys, thank you again for letting God use you to change my life. My encouragement to you today is to, uh, that this might be an opportunity for you to tell others, to tell those people uh, what God did in your life by using, their, by using God's voice through them. To let them know, yeah, it was because of you that God told me to stop. And my life turned around because of you. If you're online right now, uh, one of the things you might be able to do is give a quick shout out uh, to somebody online and tag them in the comments. Uh, you never know. They'll be able to see that and see what this is all about, and uh, you have an opportunity to thank them. So today, make a phone call. Send a text message, whatever you need to do, but let other people know what they have done, that they have been a voice in your life. And so something amazing to me is to trace the influence of others in your life. For those who've been instrumental in transformation of your life, you begin to sound like them. You pick up phrases that they say and, and you kind of incorporate them into your own life. And so those phrases now become yours and the next people that you begin to impact, uh, you use those phrases and they pick up those phrases and it begins to just kind of multiply that impact from somebody who touched your life, uh, whether it was uh, very, uh, not very long ago or it's been a long time that they changed uh, your life. For Saul, the same could be shown to be true. Now, between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 13, there's a lot of history that happens in there. In Acts chapter 13, Paul is on his first missionary journey with Barnabas, 
And we're recorded the first time in Acts chapter 13 that Paul preaches a, the, the message of Jesus Christ. This is the first time it's recorded by the words that Paul is speaking. So, so we, we begin to see what Paul is saying to the world around him about who Jesus is. If you compare what Paul says in Acts chapter 13, and then you look at what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, while Paul was standing there giving approval of the stoning of Stephen, when you compare those two, what you see is that those words that Stephen spoke echo in what Paul is now speaking about who Jesus is and who Jesus has become in his own life. The way that Paul kind of unfolds the story is, um, is shown in what Stephen had said so many years ago. That lets me know that Paul never forgot. That conviction in that moment when Stephen was there and perhaps even looking at, at, at Paul saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Paul never forgot it. Those words were etched into his heart. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up here as we begin to, uh, to close out. You need to understand that your testimony of Jesus is not in vain. Mom, dad, uncle, cousin, whoever you are, grandfather, grandmother, whoever you are, your testimony of Jesus to your family is not in vain. It might take years, but it is not in vain. The testimony to your coworker is not in vain. In vain. What Jesus has done in your life in transformation is not in vain. Saul couldn't get away from it in the New Testament. Your prodigal son or daughter cannot get away from it. The words that you speak of Jesus are not in vain. I love this. The Spirit of God works in partnership with you whenever you speak Jesus to a dark world. The Spirit of God works in partnership with you whenever you speak Jesus to a dark world. So for us to understand the letter to Galatians, we need to understand Paul. This is who Paul is. This is the influence that others had on his life. That's who Paul is. Um, without Stephen, there is no Saul. Without Saul, there's no letter to the Galatians, so it could be argued Without Stephen, we would never have this study on the book of Galatians, all because of the righteous living of a man who said, Jesus, my life is yours. If you choose to take it, it's okay. But Jesus, in this process, my life, I believe, is going to make an impact and an influence on the world around me. Um, so for us today, I'm going to invite Pastor Eric. Can you come on up here really quick? Um, and I don't know, is Melissa going to come up with you? Not real sure. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so for us today, we can catch a glimpse of the kind of impact on lives that we're talking about. Um, Pastor Eric and Melissa and Jack and Calvin, they've been with us here at Life Church Utah for uh, nearly six years. And God has used them to impact many lives. God has used them to impact youth beyond that within our life groups. And uh, we're going to try to show something, and I don't know. Uh, we had some trouble, trouble, some trouble with our audio a little bit ago, and so if this doesn't work, uh, forgive me, and we'll get it working for second service. Come back to second service and watch if it doesn't work. Um, but uh, but if uh, we're going to try to show this really quickly, and these are just a few words that are spoken of lives who have been impacted by uh, Pastor Eric 
and Melissa. Go ahead and let's watch the video. Looks like the audio is not going to work. Thank you guys so, so much for doing ministry with us. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being the best youth pastors that I have ever had. Thank you from both Carter and I the, for everything you've done for us, and for being such good family friends and youth leaders and kind of our second set of parents. Thank you for everything you've uh, done for me. Thank you so much, Eric and Melissa, for everything you've done for me. Having the confidence in me and believing me and growing me from a student to a leader. For always being there for me for introducing me to God and helping me grow in that relationship with Him. For supporting me and loving me through everything. You've been a great pastor and helped me with a lot of stuff, getting to know God. Being such a good influence and showing me how it's really like to live life for God. You really changed my life and guide me. Uh, you've been a great example for me. Letting me grow with Christ and being there for me when I need you guys the most. A lot of memories brought in a lot of good messages, and there's some things I will always take. Thank you for all the memories we shared. Eric, I'm going to miss your laugh. Melissa, your sassy personality. And I just wanted to thank you, Mel, for always having a positive attitude. And it's been such a enjoyable experience with you guys and seeing your boys grow up and everything. You guys not only were my youth pastors, but turned into lifelong friends. I kind of love you guys, but I love your kids more, so I'm going to miss Jack and Calvin a lot. But I know that in like five years time that we'll see you doing something amazing. I love you and I'm so excited for you guys wherever you may go in life. Have the best of life and that everything goes uh, well and I love you guys. <laughs> miss you guys so very much, <laughs> but I hope you guys do great where you're at and I know you will. Now, go save some lives. Feel free to reach out. I miss you and I love you guys. Thank you for everything that you guys have done and the impact that you guys have made on me. Love you guys. Thank you and God bless. I'll miss you and I love you guys so much. Thank you. Love you. We love you. Good luck, guys. So I apologize. They didn't know that was coming. That was mean, I know. But here's, here's the thing. This is that picture of what we're talking about, isn't it? That your life and what you do, kind of like if Stephen to a Paul and Erica and Melissa have been uh, to, to our youth and to so many others within our congregation. And I wanted to invite uh, Pastor Eric and Melissa, if they were able to, <laughs> uh, to just kind of share a little bit um, just about uh, just kind of what God is doing in your lives. And we're going to take the next couple of minutes here and to kind of close out their time and be able to uh, pray over them in just a couple of minutes. So. Thanks for that opportunity. I'll, I'll talk first um, for just a second. I, I promise I won't be long-winded, but um, just want to say thank you to Life Church. If you're watching online, to those of you who are here, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives in so many ways. Um, thank you for helping us to grow um, here. And, uh, I mean, coming all the way from the Midwest, we were freaked out to come here in the first place. But you guys have uh, just been so warm and, uh, and uh, have welcomed us and we feel at home here. It's a reluctant journey in many ways, but I think of um, Acts chapter 18 and uh, this is what I even mentioned to Pastor Rich when we were talking uh, another time was how um, 
Apollos in the church of Ephesus. If you remember in Acts 18, he's wanting to go to another church. He feels led to go. The Lord is really starting to develop and grow him there. And the church goes, we want to send you. We want to go before you. So they send a letter ahead to this other church to, to say, hey, welcome this brother Apollos who's coming. And then it says that he was effective amongst the believers there. And so Melissa and I consider ourselves to be sent from Life Church in many ways. Um, that we have been grown and developed here, and it's because of you that that has happened in us, that you've uh, allowed us to be a part of your lives in that way. And so I hope that Melissa and I, one of our favorite verses, we had it on our wall in our house for years and years. We used to have a, a student life group at our house, and I'd always look at that verse every time we had life group, and it was 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, where it says, not only were we delighted to share the gospel of God with you, but he says, but we were delighted to share our very lives with you as well. And I'm, um, I hope that we've done that well with uh, Life Church, and, and uh, you guys have certainly shared your lives with us as well. And we're just so thankful for, for that uh, opportunity and chance to do that. Well, he actually stole my notes. <laughs> that was everything I was going to say. <laughs> so we love you guys, and thank you for the opportunity just to be a part of Life Church and be a part of the Life Church family. We're forever blessed by that. Amen. Oh, yeah. I believe, uh, as, uh, as Carter said, we're going to miss you guys but your children are actually much more fun. So um, I think they're coming out now at this time. So come on up, Jack, Calvin. All right. So here's what I'm going to invite uh, everybody in the family to go ahead and stand to your feet real quick. And we're just going to ask God's blessing upon, these, uh, upon this family and so grateful for their ministry. And folks, um, the seeds have been planted by them. Uh, the growth of those seeds... Is, uh, is not measured in days or weeks, but this is years. And so the five years that five and a half, uh, almost six years you guys have given here at, uh, at Life Church, uh, the seeds that have been planted uh, yet to bear fruit in a lot of ways. And I can't wait to see uh, that influence that you guys have had and the fruit bearing that's going to go on really for decades uh, to come. And so God, we are so grateful for the ministry of Eric and Melissa, so grateful for Jack and Calvin. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon them. And Lord, as, as uh, Eric was sharing um, out, of, uh, out of the book of Acts chapter 18, God, we do send them forth, God. Lord, we send them as, as ones who are sent from Life Church Utah. And God, we recognize that the ministry that they will be engaged in in the future, that God, that we have had an influence as well on their lives. And God, there are echoes of Life Church Utah that will remain in their ministry for this, for this season and for years to come. And God, I ask that the seeds that have been planted here at Life Church, God, the, the lives that they have influenced um, in their time here, that God, the fruit that is born would be powerful. And that God, you would use teenagers, God, who will become, uh, become parents themselves. God, they'll be influential within our culture in a new way, in a new season in their lives. And God, allow that fruit to grow. And uh, that God, we would be astounded by what you have done through Eric and Melissa. God, I thank you that their voice that they have spoken with has been gentle, that God has been filled with grace and mercy, and that God has been filled with the strength of Jesus Christ. And so God, as we send them out from this place, 
God, be glorified, be honored, and be lifted up in their lives and their ministry. Father, thank you for Eric and for Melissa and for their kids and pray your blessing upon them. And Father God, as we as Life Church Utah, as we end out this service today, God, I ask for your blessing upon your people, that God, as, as we leave from this place, Lord, we would sense your anointing, that God, we would not be ashamed of the story of Jesus Christ in our life, and that God, we would proclaim it boldly as Stephen did, and that God, we would seek those opportunities, God, no matter the circumstance, that we would seek those opportunities, and we would recognize, God, that it is not in vain. God, that the words that we speak of Jesus Christ are never in vain. Father, we love you. God, we thank you. And God, we do praise you for all of those, uh, all those in our lives who spoke the words of God. And Lord, you helped us to stop in our tracks and to turn towards you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 Our God's a good God. Thank you so much for being here today. We will see you next week or see you online uh, during this week. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, don't forget, really quickly, I apologize, out in the lobby, if you guys want to go ahead and head out into the lobby, uh, there's a, a spot out there in the lobby, and uh, we'd invite you to head over there and uh, be able to say goodbye to Erica and Melissa. While you're there, uh, you can pick up some chocolates, and in there is like a prayer card. Be able to remember, put it up on your uh, refrigerator, continue to pray uh, for Erica and Melissa during the season. So if you'd like to, please make your way over into the lobby, and I know that they would love to be able to say goodbye to you. God bless you. See you next week.